Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family as we continue our family Bible studies and the gospel according to St. Luke. Today we are in Luke chapter 11, and we're going to be talking about the threat of spiritual darkness. Here's Jesus, Luke 11, verse 34. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is sound, your whole body is full of light. But when it is not sound, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. Then if your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright. In this passage from Luke chapter 11, Jesus is warning about a terrifying darkness that can fill ourselves if our eye is unsound. St. John Chrysostom commenting on this phenomena says, if we have corrupted the understanding, in other words, through the eyes, allow things to hit the mind, well, that understanding is able to let loose the passions. And what we have done is violence to the soul that creates this darkness that it causes a spiritual blindness and the perversion of our understanding. Now, today, I'm going to skip past a whole lot of interpretation and go right to application because I can't think of a verse more appropriate for one of the greatest threats ever, and I underscore ever, to threaten the Catholic Church. The temptations in our day coming through the eye, and I'm talking specifically about internet and smartphone pornography, is unparalleled in human history. I can remember when I was first starting to study pornography's effect on men and women, and I read about a woman who got her first computer for Christmas, and she stumbled uh, innocently across a pornography site and very unwisely stayed there and started clicking from there to other sites. And within six weeks, she had a full-blown sexual addiction because what would take, say, once a month magazine coming in the mail or buying it at some sleazy bookstore, now... uh, several years' worth can come across in one evening and literally overwhelm the eye. And today we need to be aware that both children, adolescents, and adults who view porn are very tempted to begin acting out the things they've seen. Now, somebody may have heard me say children, adolescents, and adults. And they think, well, you know, we've heard a lot about adults. We've heard a lot about adolescents, but Children? Yes, children. Police uh, databases showing sexual offenses says that 35.6% of those who have committed sexual offenses against minors are juveniles themselves. And on school property, a sexual assault is seven times more likely to be a child on child than an adult on child. So we're talking about a full-spectrum problem that affects laity, a clergy, 
it affects pious Christians. In fact, a friend just told me on the phone yesterday, he says, Steve, there in Greenville, South Carolina, you're living practically in the buckle of the Bible Belt. And I said, well, yeah, I agree. In fact, Gallup Poll said this area was identified as a very religious part of the United States. And yet, the Greenville area is ninth among the nation's most porn-loving religious areas. Yes, this is very easily tracked. And in fact, some of the most uh, what shall I say? The highest concentrations of porn use in the United States tracks those areas of the United States that self-identifies as very religious. So this is a severe problem that includes Christians. It's not just a problem out there. And I don't want to dwell on it because a lot of people are dwelling on the problems of pornography. But we need to ask ourselves, what do we do about it? And you need to be aware that there's a twofold response to the pornography plague that needs to be kept in mind. And you need to determine if you're dealing with one of your children, if you're dealing with a youth group, you're dealing with a men's group, you need to be aware that there's a difference in strategies. First of all, for those who know that pornography is wrong and sinful, if you keep, uh, what shall I say, highlighting how horrible and sinful porn is, what you are doing is heaping shame upon those who already know that pornography is a very shameful habit. And when you load shame on somebody who already feels guilty about pornography, well, you could be actually damaging that person because the hurt from the shame is driven deeper. And the idea is you want to bring it out, not drive it deeper. So many Christian efforts inadvertently trying to help people with pornography could be harming them in their anti-pornography habit. Now, there's a second strategy for those who don't know that pornography is wrong. Now, if you're an adult, you might say, what in the world are you talking about? Everybody knows that pornography is wrong, particularly Christians. Well, not necessarily, because polls have showed that younger Christians, when polled, believe like towards the top of their immoral acts is not recycling, and pornography is near the very, very bottom of a list of immoral actions. And so for them, you actually may need to highlight that Porn is, in fact, sinful, it's dangerous to your soul, and it's not very good for you as a person. So what type of verse would you use for a young person who would say, well, what's the big deal with porn? Jesus never said anything about it. I would turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 28 through 30. Jesus said, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, remember we're talking about the eye as the lamp of the body, pluck it out and throw it away. This is hyperbole, by the way. He doesn't expect us to maim ourselves. And then he says, it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off 
and throw it away. We don't want the whole body to go into hell. Jesus is using the strongest possible language to say, yes, this is something that you want to get out of your person. Now, I have found men, particularly because I've dealt with men on this issue, uh, are very interested in the neurochemical effect from pornography and how it causes addictions. And particularly young people who may have not a whole lot of appreciation for the harmfulness, because things that are generally sinful are almost always harmful. And there's a neurochemical effect of it. It's not my point today, but I do have a an MP3 CD in the dads.org store entitled How Pornography Alters the Brain and How to Change It Back. And I'll be talking at the very end of the broadcast a little bit more about this because it has a great effect on why the addictions take place. It literally changes and alters the brain and how it reacts. And that is an enabler that you'd think, I can't shake this. And why can't it just kind of go away? It seems to get worse. Well, it's this neurochemical addiction. Now, I have been helping Catholic men deal with pornography since the year 2000. It is not my favorite subject, and this broadcast is not dealing with my favorite subject, but it is front and center a plague that is absolutely widespread in Christian churches today. Now, over the course of the past 19 years, I've learned a few things that I didn't know when I started trying to help men, and I'd like to emphasize those things that maybe I emphasized but not strongly enough, or maybe even I overlooked, and the things I'm going to be mentioning in today's broadcast are very frequently overlooked even by those trying to help men get over pornography. So number one, and number one is first in importance— And do not underestimate this because you'd say, well, what does this have to do with anything? I don't hear anybody else who's trying to help people get over pornography talk about this. Here it is. Men and women who are struggling with any type of pornography addiction need to know of first importance that God loves them. You see, what happens with pornography, it's a serious sin. And when the person engages in a sin that's not only sinful but shameful, this goes deep within, and very often a spiritual attack will occur, and that spiritual attack is called condemnation. You know, you're rotten. You're rotten inside, and how can you expect God to love you? Look at what you've done. They need to know that God loves them, and here's some verses, and you might want to write down today's verses, and if you are driving in the car, that's okay. Just send an email when you get home to askthehost at gmail.com, and today's episode is 244, so identify that episode, 244, and say, send me the Bible verses. But here's, here's the lead-off Bible verse, Psalm 103, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, for as the heavens are high above the earth, 
so great is his love towards us who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. First importance in dealing with anybody trying to get over a pornography struggle is a reinforcement of God's love for him. And here's why this is the key. We have to obey God in order to avoid this sin. Now, where do you find your strength to obey God? And here is, this is the deep trap that millions fall into. It's you think that I have to do something. I have to clean up my act in order that God loves me. And that's not how it works. Obedience to God finds its strength in the love of God, not you. It's found in God. And you need to reinforce the love of God. That is the motivator. That is the empowering strength to beat a sexual addiction. And here is a verse, and I don't know, I guess Catholics have joked a lot, and I'm guilty of making the jokes, you know, about Protestants memorize scripture and whatever Catholics don't. But this is a scripture that every Catholic should know by heart because, in my experience as a Catholic now for 29 years, this very often gets inverted in some of the best situations, orthodox homes, solid parishes, homeschooling families, you name it, it gets inverted. And we need to keep this straight. It, the verse is 1 John, the first letter of John, right before the book of Revelation, you find the letters of John, 1 John 4.19. Very simple verse. We love because he first loved us. 1 John 4.19. You see, God doesn't love us because we change our lives and love him and obey him and ditch the porn. No, we love, we obey, we seek to have a pure life. We seek to overcome the addiction, not because of us, because he first loved us. That is the beginning point. If you start at any other point, I dare say you're running on human strength. And I've tried to help people, uh, marriages and families and individuals and counseling. And when I was a Protestant pastor and pastoral counseling and people contacting us here at the Family Life Center and such. And I'll tell you straight up, a pornography addiction is very tough to beat. This is a toughie. And the harder it gets, the more strength you need. This isn't just a little tip. This is tapping into the power of God. We love because he first loved us. Now, in case you missed that, that's 1 John 4, 19. All you need is back up a little bit in the same chapter, 1 John 4, 10. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the expiation for our sins. Now, you can't do stuff to get your sins forgiven other than humbly confessing them and asking God to forgive you. It's that God is the one who will pour his love into your heart to give you the strength and the motivation, the orientation, the goodwill, the power to overcome this. And you must 
trust God for forgiveness. And then once you do that, you can love him back. Now, as I said, I don't find this universally emphasized or understood by a large number of Catholics, and I've basically traveled all over North America. This is the formula. We love because. Why? I do this, this, or that, or don't do this, this, or that. No. We love because he first loved us. Now, the strongest, I think, book of the New Testament is St. Paul's letter to the Galatians. And, you know, Paul is a very loving guy, but when it comes to Galatians, uh, people were going around insisting that these Gentile converts undergo Jewish circumcision. And you might say, well, what was the big deal? Well, by doing that, uh, there was a very subtle change from a primary profound trust in God's love and grace to something that I would do. And you know what St. Paul said? I mean, just pretty radical, but he said, I wish those who were uh, teaching this would mutilate themselves. And he was talking about circumcision here. That's pretty tough language. And why would he make such a big deal about this? Hear this. This is Galatians 5 and verse 9. This is another one to keep pretty carefully in mind because your whole orientation of the Christian life is dependent upon it. St. Paul says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. In other words, if anyone practices a do-it-yourself forgiveness or do-it-yourself to get right standing with God versus trusting Jesus, you will end up a total and complete spiritual wreck. And I, I'm very aware that there are some people who think that they have reached the pinnacle, they've climbed the seven-story mountain of the Catholic faith because of all the stuff they do or don't do, and actually their whole lump, their whole lives have been leavened by self, and self needs to pr- leads to pride. That's the problem. That leads to sin. No. St. Paul said in the same chapter, Galatians 5 and verse 16, he says, walk by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. And here's how it works. If you begin to substitute the basis for your loving obedience to God, something other than his love firsthand experience and trusted and depend upon your heart, well, then what happens is that and you don't need a lot, what happens is like somebody took a noose and just dropped you from the gallows. It is going to choke you so that you have total incapacity to receive the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul went so ballistic in the letter of Galatians. Just a little leaven leavens the whole lump. But he says, if you walk by the Spirit, in other words, you're not trusting in self. This isn't one of those DIY shows you see on, uh, on TV. You know, you do-it-yourself things. Do-it-yourself for home improvement is great. When it comes to Christianity, it will kill your spirit. It will choke the Holy Spirit from your life. The Spirit's power is available 
This is we're talking about power to the nth degree, and this is including the power of grace coming through the sacraments when it's the dependence upon God. It's not your worthiness, it's his lovingness that comes to us in the sacraments, comes to us in the gospel. And then St. Paul goes on, Galatians 5, I'm still there. He says, now the works of the flesh, in other words, the you do it, religiosity. And so many people think, now, as I say, this is, this is a little bit of a, of a very subtle difference because, yes, we are to be very zealous for obeying God, but is it out of a relationship that we depend on God's love for us, or are we very subtly, maybe even half or totally fooling ourselves that we're getting God's favor because of all the stuff we do? And when we're doing stuff apart from dependence on God's love, that's why what St. Paul calls the works of the flesh. Now, what happens when we do it ourselves, the works of the flesh? St. Paul says the works of the flesh are plain, fornication, impurity, licentiousness. Now, I'm going to step on a couple toes, but many chastity programs are leading youth into sexual impurity. Because if the big emphasis is that do this, do this, do this, follow this checklist, don't do that, do this, and very minor key is the love of God. And I'm not talking about, you know, this soupy, uh, false, shallow love of God, but no, the God who went to the cross and suffered and died, you know, we're talking about the stark love of God. If it's not depending on that, you're driving people into the works of the flesh. And that's why St. Paul went so ballistic. Now, a Catholic, knowing his or her faith, is going to say, but Steve, we are to do good works, not works of the flesh. Works of flesh are do it yourself, but we are to do good works, and we're supposed to be eager to do good works. And I couldn't agree more but this is, this is one of my favorite verses in the New Testament, okay? I'm just going to give it to you. I just love it because there is more truth in here than most psychology textbooks of 500 pages in length. Here it is. 1 Corinthians 15.10. I'm particularly talking about getting over some of the toughest things that counseling has to wrestle with, and I'm talking about sexual addiction. 1 Corinthians 15.10. St. Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God, which was within me. You see this? He is working harder than any of them. My, he's turning the world upside down and actually making it right side up. But how? Depending on God's grace. You know, a little while back last year, I went to a conference called the Touchstone Conference in Chicago, and it's a ecumenical gathering, and this isn't a flabby ecumenical gathering. This is serious Catholics, uh, serious Orthodox Christians, and serious evangelicals get together on a topic, and then you have several speakers speak on it. And during that Touchstone Conference, an Orthodox priest gave the finest talk I have ever heard on overcoming pornography. And it's going to be on our Facebook page for Faith and Family Radio. 
And I can't give you the link over the air because you'll never remember it. But if you want that link, it's askthehost at gmail.com. And we'll send you the link for that because the bottom line, what he was emphasizing is that, and, and this is a very knowledgeable priest. He's very well of the counseling methodologies and everything else. But so many of them really have an either explicit or hidden agenda, which is you do it. And his talk was, you need to expand the grace of God in a man's life, and particularly a young man's life. And he's working with a lot of young dads. And as he expands the grace of God in their lives, they become increasingly capable of overcoming a pornography addiction. So that's there. Again, if you want that, and this is a YouTube video of the talk that I heard, and Anthony Ellison, who is a Catholic professor, editor of the Touchstone magazine, said it was the finest homily he's ever heard the next morning as he began his talk. So askthehost at gmail.com. It's absolutely free. We'll send you the link. I've written a booklet called Young Men Breaking Free. I just mentioned that if you grew up in a house with divorce, uh, been hurt by a family member, hurt by alcoholism in your family, uh, or perhaps hurt from other people, friends, siblings, or whatever, you have a psychological pain you're dealing with. Pornography basically relieves that pain, but it's very temporary. And in order to get the pain relieved again, you need a deeper, more degrading form of pornography, and that leads to habits and addictions. And that is step 12 in my little booklet, Young Men Breaking Free, and it's entitled Hurts That Can Make a Sex Habit Seemingly Impossible to Shake. Take a very careful look at step 12. It's only a few pages. And those are the things that I've learned over the past 19 years that are often, often overlooked in overcoming a porn habit. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 244 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.